Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, konnichiwa, Nikki Young here, back with my true crime podcast series, Serial Napper. You guys, I feel like I always say this, but tonight's case is insane. I read about it just a few weeks ago, and it's so twisted and complicated, it's crazy. I hope I'll be able to do it some justice. Tonight, we're talking about a little girl, Mary Day, who went missing more than 20 years ago. Some thought she was murdered, and when someone who looked just like her seemed to appear out of nowhere as an adult, people wondered if she was back from the dead or if an imposter had taken her identity. All right, let's jump into tonight's case, the disappearance of Mary Day. This story has a lot of characters, a lot of twists and turns, so I'm going to try my best to keep it all as simple and straightforward as I possibly can. 
Mary Day was born in Little Falls, New York, on February 19, 1968, to Charles Day and Charlotte Pressler. She was the eldest of three daughters born to the couple. Her sister, Kathy, would be the middle child, and her sister, Sherry, was the youngest daughter. To say that Mary had a difficult upbringing would be an understatement. Her difficult childhood began at a very young age. All three girls were in and out of foster homes during their early years. While in one of the foster homes, their mother, Charlotte, divorced their father, Charles. She remarried a new husband, William Houle, who was enlisted in the Army. They already had two kids together, Billie Jean and William Jr., when the pair gained custody of Mary and Kathy in 1976, taking the two out of foster care permanently. Sherry, on the other hand, was lucky enough to be adopted by her foster parents. The family lived in Hawaii, where William was posted. Unfortunately, even out of foster care, things didn't get a whole lot better for Mary. Her father, Charles, ended up passing away. However, he left his daughter Mary and his daughter Kathy with an inheritance. Because of the tumultuous relationship at home with their parents, Mary and her sister Kathy would often discuss their exit plan, a plan to leave home and not look back using the inheritance money left by their father. They didn't want their parents knowing what they were talking about, so they would use a code word, which was mohawk, when they talked about their plan for the inheritance. Now, it's no wonder Mary wanted to get away. In December of 1980, she was placed in protective custody after police said her stepfather started physically abusing her. The following month, the family moved to Seaside, California, when William was reassigned there, leaving Mary in protective custody in Hawaii. She was released a few months later and rejoined the rest of the family in California. A year later, in 1981, when she was just 13 years old, Mary disappeared from the family's home in Seaside, California, without a trace. And I really mean without a trace. The night before she vanished, her mother and stepfather went out for dinner, leaving Mary and her sister Kathy at home. When the pair returned home, they discovered that the family dog was deathly ill, throwing up, and it didn't look like it was going to make it through the night. Mary's stepfather, William, was convinced that she had poisoned the dog. He loved that dog. I personally think he loved that dog more than he loved Mary, and he thought it was some sort of retaliation for the abuse. Of course, Mary denied it, but William didn't believe her, so he beat the living daylights out of her. The last memory that Sister Kathy had of Mary was of her screaming and crying for William to stop hitting her, and Mary's mouth was full of blood from being hit. If you ask Mary's mother, Charlotte, about that night, she'll say that William appeared to be demonic and he just went into a rage. The next morning, Mary was gone, and when Kathy asked her mother where Mary was, she said she had run away and to never speak about it again. Out of fear, Kathy complied. Several years later, the youngest sister, Sherry, the one who had been adopted by her foster family, connected with her biological family when they moved to New York. She reunited with her mother and her sister, Kathy, 
but asked where Mary was. Charlotte told the same story. Mary had run away, and that was the end of the discussion. This always bothered Sherry as she was growing up, but she wasn't sure what to do about it. When she became an adult and still had not heard a thing from her sister Mary or about her sister Mary, she decided to file a missing persons report. This happened in 1993, 13 years after Mary's disappearance. In an interview later, Sherry said that Charlotte often talked about hiding bodies in California. She said, My mother told me there were many places in California you could bury a body, and it would never be found. I started believing that Mary was murdered. For some reason, even though the missing persons report was filed in 1994, the police only launched their investigation in 2002. The fact that a child had been missing this long, and the parents literally never reported her missing, was extremely suspicious. What happened to Mary, and why was she never reported missing by her parents? The police decided to take Kathy back to the house where Mary had gone missing to see if it would jog up any memories. As they walked around the yard, Kathy pointed out an area of the yard that her parents told her to stay away from. This, of course, sounded very suspicious, so the police brought in cadaver dogs who were trained to find traces of decomposition. All four dogs that were brought in signaled at the corner of the yard previously pointed out by Kathy. So, they started digging and digging and digging, thinking at any moment they would discover the little girl's body. Well, they didn't find a body, but they did find a little girl's shoe. Then, during an unrelated investigation in 2008, another set of cadaver dogs alerted police to the scent of a body in the home that the Hools moved to soon after Mary's disappearance. Again, nobody was ever found at the site. Police began to believe that maybe Mary's body had been buried in the garden of the first home, dug up, and moved with the family to the next home, then dug up again when they moved on from there. It was time to talk to Charlotte and William Hool to see what their story was around the missing girl. Charlotte maintained that Mary had run away. When they asked her why she hadn't tried to find her daughter, she told them, if she's dead, she's dead. Now, I have a short clip of that interview with police for you to listen to, and it'll give you a little bit of a better idea of the mother's demeanor and the way she spoke of the situation, like it wasn't really a big deal. So here we go. You know, life is full of regrets. If you go back and say, you know, if I had did this and this and this. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. Okay. So uh, this is my problem. I didn't do a lot of things I should have, and I didn't do a lot of things I could have and would have. Now I'm stuck with consequences. Later in the police tapes, mother is heard saying, oh, what a mess. It was like trying to get a nightcrawler out of a wormhole and just grabbing it and it was gone and grabbing it and it was gone. I mean, how many times did she run away? You know, all these questions I can't answer. Her husband, William, said much of the same thing. She had run away and he admitted that this happened after he beat Mary for poisoning his dog. In this police interview, William said five or six times 
You know what she did? She poisoned my dog. I was really angry. She tried to run out of the house. I didn't want her to go, so I caught her before she got out of the front door. She was kicking me, punching me, so I pushed her. He then admitted he could have hit her in the throat and that his anger towards the little girl was a 15 out of 10. The police pressed on, saying, You're this angry? I think you may have killed her. To which William replied, No, I didn't kill her, but the next day my wife Charlotte told me that that night she saw Satan in my eyes. She said I was possessed by a demon. Police then asked, Could that demon have killed Mary? To which he replied, Yes, the demon could have killed her. However, there was still no trace of Mary anywhere. Legit, like, there were no IDs, no school records, no arrests, no sign of her anywhere at all. And that shoe that the police had found earlier could not be positively identified as Mary's. And so, the case went quiet and cold for nine months. Until one day... Something shocking happened during a routine police traffic stop in Phoenix, Arizona. A woman was pulled over, and the ID she gave the police said Mary Day. She looked incredibly similar to the younger photos police had of the missing girl. And while the Phoenix police believed they had just found the Mary Day, detectives weren't convinced. In fact, at first, they refused to refer to her as Mary Day, instead calling her Phoenix Mary. Of course, I'll post some of those photos of Mary when she was little, and then the photos of Mary um, when she was pulled over that day over on my Facebook page, so you can go check those out. It didn't help that this ID in the name of Mary Day was only issued three weeks prior to her being pulled over. So, of course, a DNA test was ordered because, well, the police were sure they had an imposter on their hands. But, to everyone's shock, the DNA test came back a match, indicating that the Phoenix Mary was truly the daughter of Charlotte Houle. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So the DNA comes back a match. This woman who presented herself as Mary Day was, in fact, the daughter of Charlotte. Both sisters Kathy and Sherry were stoked to finally be able to reconnect with their long-lost sister, but they had so many questions, as you can imagine, many of which couldn't really be answered. Mary seemed to remember some of her childhood, but much of it was lost, and it was no time before more suspicion began to mount. One really weird thing about Mary Day, this this Mary Day that had been discovered, was her southern accent. However, Mary hadn't grown up in the South, so where did this accent come from? Police let four separate southern dialect experts listen to the interview, and they all concluded that it would have taken living her formative years up to nine or ten in the South to acquire this type of southern accent. So, obviously, this was just another reason for people to be suspicious. Soon, it was decided that Mary would move in with her baby sister, Sherry, so that the two could connect. Magazines began arriving to the house that were for Mary, but addressed to Monica Devereaux. Mary explained that she didn't want to be found while she was on the run, so 
Soon after she had ran away, she threw away the name Mary and went by the name Monica Devereaux. The thing that really made Sherry skeptical about this woman and if she was really her sister Mary was that Mary couldn't even remember her inheritance that was left by their father or their special code word that they used to talk about it when they were kids, you know, the code word Mohawk. And then, to top it all off, the newly found Mary Day sent an email to police where she admitted that she had lied about her identity. Her email said something to the effect of, I've been lying to you about who I am. Later, she recanted that email and again claimed that she was the real Mary Day, but it was a little too late to stop the mounting suspicion. There was a lot of whispers, a lot of mistrust, rumors that this was an imposter. One theory was that this was another daughter that Charlotte had at one point in her early years, because, you know, the DNA. Perhaps Charlotte was feeling the heat from the police around Mary's disappearance, so she reached out to this other daughter to have her to pretend to be Mary. And after all, there was a potential inheritance involved, so this girl would be getting about $60,000 coming to her, which Sherry later helped her to get from her father's estate. As Mary's health began to fail, the acting chief of Seaside Police Judy Vellows, committed to finding the truth once and for all. Was this really Mary Day? Was this an imposter? Were they still supposed to be looking for the teenager's body? Or had she really been alive after all of this time? So many questions, so many rumors, and so much varying information. So Judy Vellows decided to pay a visit to Mary herself. Mary told that police chief that after she ran away, she stayed with a woman named Maury Kimmel for a year before running away again. So she went to speak with Maury to confirm the story, and they were finally able to close the case for good after this. Maury presented police with a photo of Mary, which was dated about a year after her disappearance. I mean, looking at the two photos... The resemblance between the last known photo of the real Mary Day and the photo that Maury had was unbelievable. And of course, I'm going to post both of these photos to my Facebook page as well. There is absolutely no denying the similarities here. And just this past May, um, this is where I originally heard about the story because a news clipping came out that facial recognition analysis of the lost photo finally proved to both sisters that the woman they thought was an imposter was really her sibling, Mary Day. Sadly, all of this came a bit too late as Mary died in 2017. But thankfully, and what's really important, is that her little sister Sherry understood the truth as it is before Mary died. In fact, she had traveled to visit her shortly before her death, and she says, All of a sudden, it felt like I had a weight lifted off of my shoulders. It was just like, it's done. This is her. And that's pretty much the end of the story, she said. So what about that ID that she had on her, that Mary had on her, and why was it only issued three weeks before she was pulled over by the police? It was just odd timing. 
Mary had needed state aid to pay for surgery. She had a gallbladder that had to be taken out. That led her to obtain her proper driver's license and her ID in the name of Mary Louise Day. A local nonprofit had also helped her to track down her birth certificate for this very reason. So, while she was able to stay off the radar until that point, she needed her real ID in order to be able to get her surgery done. Unbelievably enough, and maybe you do believe it, still to this day, there are some police agencies who believe the real Mary Day is still missing, buried somewhere, killed by her parents. But I will leave that up to you to decide. That's it for tonight's case. I told you it was a crazy one. Just wait until you head over to my Facebook page and see the photos. I want to thank tonight's sponsor once again. Make sure you go to my show notes to get the direct link to their new music video or head over to my Facebook page. Check it out. I'm going to post the link, but you can also search for it by name, The Fallen Sons by Carolus. Speaking of Facebook, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. That's S-E-R-I-A-L-N-A-P-P-E-R. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper. Or I'm on YouTube, although I'm a little bit pissy about my username, but hey, that's all I could choose. So if you look for me on YouTube, my username is Nikki Young, that's N-I-K-K-I Young, Serial Napper, all one word. Head over on whatever app you're listening to me on and leave me a review if you don't mind because I super appreciate your support. So until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.